Willie Green proved he was the right coach for the Pelicans, but where does he need to improve if he wants to be one of the top coaches in the league next season? Let's talk about it in today's episode of Locked On Pelicans. Let's go. You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcasts and available on YouTube. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with y'all on this Wednesday. Let's talk a little Willie Green in today's show because... We all are in love with him right now, doing an excellent job in his first year as the Pelicans head coach. And thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast, Monday through Friday, breaking down everything you want to know about this team. No paywall or anything like that. Just Pelicans Talk, Monday through Friday. Friday. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube. Tell a friend about the show. And now you can leave five-star reviews on Spotify. If you listen there, please take the 30 seconds to do it. Helps keep this free in five days a week and promote the show. We don't ask for money. We just ask you to rate it five stars. Let's talk about head coach Willie Green. Look, the record overall for the team at 36 and 46 isn't going to do him any favors when it comes to some kind of casuals around the league looking at the job that he did. But I think we all agree that he was an excellent head coach this year. From a number of perspectives, right? I think first and foremost, just kind of the culture building and who he is. And look, anyone coming into this building probably was going to look good compared to Stan Van Gundy. His, just everything that went wrong with that last year did. The players despised him. And again, COVID did him no favors to a degree where he wasn't allowed to really spend much time with them, kind of bond with them like Willie Green has done with his players this year. But at the same point, they very clearly, it wasn't just, oh, we don't know him well. It was uh, like they just did not like that dude. You heard Zion Williamson all last year call him Coach Gundy. That's not the guy's name. Like, what is that telling you about the relationship that he had with Stan Van Van Gundy if he's calling him Coach Gundy instead of Coach Van Gundy, right? Like, there's something to, to that there. So Willie Green comes in and completely turns this around. And I mean completely. Josh Hart was talking about how he wanted to quit playing basketball and it was the least fun he's ever had before. Brandon Ingram looked like he hated everything. And then when Josh Hart was traded, he was upset. He wanted to stay here with this team. And I think that speaks to the job that Willie Green has done. Building the right kind of culture. Coaching guys up rather than throwing them under the bus in the media like Van Gundy used to do, right? Players seem to respond to him because he kind of meets you where you're at, meets you at your level. And look, there's a trend around the league of hiring, a small trend, I think, of hiring former players and getting them into head coaching jobs rather quickly, right? You know, you've kind of, you've seen it with Chauncey Billups to a degree. You've seen it with Jason Kidd in the past. Ime Odoka, who Celtics just smoked uh, the Milwaukee Bucks, is an example of it too. Wes Unsell Jr. over in the, um, Washington is an example of it too. There's more that I'm not thinking of off the top of my head. They tend to connect with their star players well and other guys on the team because they've been in their shoes, literally, right? Willie Green was a starter in the league. Willie Green was also a role player in the league at times. And Willie Green was a guy that was just trying to stay in the league. 
So he understands what these players are going through, where they are at mentally, and how to reach them. And I love that. And again, he does it from a place of like love, right? Of building you up. I'm not going to yell at you. We're all here to help you get better. I was talking to a colleague at work the other day about this where we were talking about kind of like what, what's the successful kind of interactions that we have and we our work's kind of independent. And it was, well, like, I hope we help each other get better and like share best practices, things like that. You know, if I need something from you, you're there for me. And it feels like Willie Green kind of does a lot of that kind of approach to things, right? There's not really any sort of negative that he's looking at with people. It's just kind of building them up, helping them become the best version of themselves. And clearly there, he's able to relate to these guys even more. And I think that's like the right type of attitude. You know, we've had an era of coaches where it's just, you know, they're, they're, it's like the word of God, right? What they say goes. And it's because I said so is the approach they take. And that's not the approach that Willie Green takes. Even going over to Devontae Graham's house to spend an hour with him when he'd made the decision to move him to the bench out of the starting lineup. That kind of speaks to the way he goes about getting buy-in, which is a really important part of the job, and just the way he approaches these kind of players. And the players rave about him. And it it's actually getting to the point of the culture and how much fun it is, right? He gives these guys leeway to enjoy themselves, to have fun. He's also willing to schedule dinners, to go out to eat with them, to spend some time building that one-on-one relationship. Definitely has more of a relationship builder kind of style to him than Stan Van Gundy did. Or even Alvin Gentry, which was like, yeah, you guys want to have fun? I'll let you guys have fun. Uncle Al. This is more building that one-on-one relationship, building trust with the players. And you really saw it pay off as the team just improved and improved and improved as the year went on. And I think that is a really important aspect of being a head coach. And it's to the point where you even saw like G League guys and other players kind of commenting on the Pelicans like atmosphere, vibes, culture during the postseason as they gave the Phoenix Suns, a good Phoenix Suns team, you know, a a decent enough run for their money, taking it to six games. You know, New Orleans is never going to be a free agent destination. And look, we'll we'll get into this more as we get deeper into the offseason. They also don't really have money to spend this offseason, like almost any of it to a certain degree. So they're not even going to be in play for big name free agents. But they're still going to be competing for the same type of guys that every every other team is. With the mid-level exception, the biannual exception, things like that. Everyone has the same amount of that to spend, so you can't really outbid people necessarily. So you need other factors that are going to kind of put you over the top. If you have a guy looking at this job and say like the Lakers and who knows what they're going to do, this looks way more appealing because you trust Willie Green to help you become the best player, the best version of yourself. And that's where Willie Green can give them an advantage when it comes to the offseason and in free agency. And that's a great thing. And that comes also because of his on-court acumen. And let's talk about that coming up here next before we get into in the third segment where he does need to improve. And there's two areas where I do think he needs to improve. So that's coming up next here in today's episode of Locked on Pelicans. Before that, though, today's episode of Locked on Pelicans brought to you by Built Bar. Summer is coming, and with summer, you're going to need some food on the go. And Built Bars are the perfect snack to take with you on family vacations. You can throw them in your bag and your kids' backpacks. Make sure that everyone has bars so you're fueled up for your summer adventures. And the best part about Built Bar, they're healthy and delicious. No more sacrificing delicious food for health. With Built Bar, you can have both, and it's easy. All you have to do is go to Built.com and order now. All Built Bars and Built Puffs are 
covered in 100% real chocolate. And that means that with Built Bar, you can eat healthy and actually enjoy it. I eat one of these things every day. I, I look forward to it. I pretty much have one every day for lunch because I get weighed down. Otherwise, I get tired. I get sleepy. I don't like that. Give me the protein. Give me the healthy thing that also tastes like a snack. And I'm going to be thrilled about it. Now, have you tried the Built Puff Bars, right? We're going crazy for these things. They come in crazy flavors like banana cream pie, even churro. I have a box of the churro. Who doesn't want a protein bar to taste like a churro? And they're only 140 calories. If that's not enough flavor for you, then you might want to try the Mixed Box. The Mixed Box comes with 12 flavors of bars and puffs, so there's something for everyone. I love the mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, the churro puff bar is great. The coconut brownie chunk is the best one they have. It's hands down. Most Built Bars contain just 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, even a smoothie, right, which has tons of carbs and tons of sugar in it. They're not going to do the same thing that a built bar is going to do for you so go to built.com to get all of your favorites go to built.com use promo code lock 15 and get 15 percent off your next order this is the promo code i use again use promo code lock 15 for 15 percent off over at built.com Thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen every day we're free and available wherever you get your podcast monday through friday breaking it all down did i say it's free no paywall or anything like that yeah pelicans talk every day of the week now for your next listen go check out locked on saints they just had the draft. Tyron Matthew is just signed, and that's so awesome. Is Jameis Winston going to take a step up this year? What's going to happen with this team? Is the defense as good as it seems? Host Ross Jackson is breaking down everything black and gold over at the Locked on Saints podcast. Make sure they are your second listen every day. All right, we are talking about head coach Willie Green here in today's episode of Locked on Pelicans. He's a good coach. Like, you see it. They love playing for him. He's just like an awesome dude. You know, I, t I, I did an episode about it where I ran into him at a Mardi Gras parade at Orpheus as the team was coming back. Must live in that area where I was. And it was cool. He was just, like, happy to be there. And it was funny. You know, he clearly just got off the plane because he had two roller bags with him. He had a glass of wine eventually, or had a glass of something, I don't know what, um, and was out enjoying the parade, and people were going up to him and trying to talk to him, and like, the dude's probably exhausted, right? Doesn't really want, probably want to deal with that, and he's spending time talking to everybody, and he's like, happy to do it. There are a couple of my friends who went over to him to talk to him, and they were like, hey, sorry to bother you, we just want to say you're an awesome coach, and kind of looked them both in the eye, right? And goes, hi, I'm Willie, what's your name? Is the head coach of the Pelicans. Like, does he need to do that, right? Does it matter? You could easily get out of that conversation by being like, thank you guys, I appreciate you, and like kind of moving them along. And he didn't. He took the time to like ask about them and talk to them. And I think that speaks to the kind of person that he was. Would Stan Van Gundy have done that? I don't know. So it tells you a lot about him. But the on-court acumen's pretty good too. It's not elite. And we'll talk about in the next segment what he needs to work on with that. But he definitely has kind of, I think, the right feel. And this comes from working under good coaches, right? With the Golden State Warriors and Steve Kerr and seeing them dominate the league for an extended period of time. And what they were doing, right? They kind of ushered in a new version of the NBA. The three-point shooting, the passing, the quick decisions, small ball lineup that can play fast, the death lineup, right? They kind of ushered that all in. And Willie Green clearly learned from a lot of that. And then to play under Monty Williams, or to, to coach and play under Monty Williams, right? With Phoenix and how successful they were, trusting their guys, developing those guys too, right? Campaign kind of came out of nowhere and shouldn't really have been in the league. They gave him a chance and managed to bring him along. And he very clearly learned from both of those guys and he kind of distilled it down to his 0.5 mentality where you are making a decision about what to do in 0.5 seconds. Move the ball. 
get it moving, make a decision, keep the defense on its heels. And it worked for the most part for New Orleans. You know, as the season got on, the offense started to get really good at times and was just flat out terrifying to certain opponents. And when you factor in Zion with that, it's going to be great. When they could get stops, they did get out in transition and run, and they were an effective team in transition. So Willie Green clearly has kind of the on-court acumen. He's drawn up middle of the road at times, some really good after timeout plays too, to be able to kind of get those instant buckets. He knows when to trust his guys too, I think, which is an important thing, but it does come at a hindrance. We'll get to that, you know, but you saw him trust Devonte Graham in the postseason when we probably wouldn't have done that. And it seemed to work fairly well for them. Devonte Graham was good in about half of that series when we wouldn't have played him at all. And there were times when he kind of saved new Orleans. So to be able to trust those guys to keep going to them when you know that that's the right decision, I think, you know, it kind of speaks to him knowing his players to a degree. And I think that's something that's really important. The right type of mentality, run your offense in kind of those half second increments to make a decision to go. That's what wins in the NBA. That isolation kind of style of ball doesn't work. And you saw Brandon Ingram take off this year because of it, right? The points per game were kind of what he's always done right at about 23 or so 24 points 22.7 but the assists were significant we saw him getting eight nine ten assists at times this year and the assists were about um were significantly more than his career average average is 3.6 he was at 5.6 this year it's two assists more kind of tells you that when you put guys in those empowering positions, Josh Hart was a good example of it too, letting him kind of be a playmaker, secondary creator, secondary playmaker on the weak side. You know, he realizes that you can unlock extra skills out of those guys and it keeps defenses off balance. And you've seen guys kind of blossom in his system because of that, just like Brandon Ingram. And I think that's kind of an example of that, that he's got kind of the the X's and O's and some of the right kind of coaching acumen for on-court stuff rather than only being like a player's coach, a relationship builder, things like that. So he has done a tremendous job when it came to kind of the on-court decisions and when you've given him a good roster and we'll see what he gets with a fully good roster next year, healthy, and CJ McCollum all year, you know, it's exciting to think about what could be done. But he's not yet, yet, in the upper echelon of head coaches. So what does he need to do to improve and be considered one of the 10, five best coaches in the league? That's going to be coming up here next in today's episode of Locked on Pelicans. And thank you for making Locked on Pelicans your first listen every day. Again, we are free and available five days a week for y'all, wherever you get your podcasts and available on YouTube. Subscribe to the show. Leave a five-star review with a comment. You can do it on Spotify now if that's where you listen. Tell a friend about the show, too. Get them clued into what's going on with this Pelicans team because it's going to be fun. we got a lot to talk about this offseason. No slowing down. We're still five days a week, still podcasting. Going to be here every day for y'all. And now make sure to go check out the Locked on NBA Big Board podcast. Drafts coming up. You want to start learning about prospects. We'll be doing a lot of that here too. But host Rafael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies and the author of the NBA Big Board Newsletter is awesome. He's joined by a bunch of real excellent draft analysis, giving you an in-depth look into the NBA Draft, mock drafts, player rankings, and of course, NBA Big Boards. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts as part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Okay, so... We're going over Willie Green today. We talked about David Griffin yesterday. Kind of talked about Zion the day before that too. So where does Willie Green need to improve? We know he's a good coach, right? Like we know what you're going to get out of Willie Green, but is there room for improvement with him? And the answer to that is definitely yes. And you saw it particularly in the postseason where these kind of things are magnified to a certain degree, right? 
because games kind of have more stakes to them. They all matter a little bit more. So where does Willie Green need to improve? First and foremost, you need to learn when a player is not effective. When a player is just not giving you what you need and you need to make a tough decision in the lineup, in the rotation, to remove that player or lower their minutes. We saw it early on in the year with Garrett Temple before he just really kind of benched him and didn't play him much anymore after that. Garrett Temple, by the way, despite only playing in 59 games, right, and kind of not really being anything other than a victory cigar towards the end of the season, Garrett Temple was eighth, played the eighth, eighth most, there we go, eighth most minutes for this team ahead of Trey Murphy. Temple played 1,100 minutes. Trey Murphy played 850. Jose Alvarado, 834. Najee Marshall, 735. And Marshall was unplayable for a little bit, but you get what I'm saying. He stuck with Garrett Temple far too long, and yet it actually hurt this team a lot. Garrett Temple, in any lineup he was in, just tanked that lineup, and the opponent was winning those minutes, whether it was with starters, whether it was with bench units. Look, Garrett Temple's a great locker room guy, but at 35 isn't the type of player that he was before. And Willie Green kind of just stuck with him a little too long, you know? And if things were a game or two different, it could have hurt New Orleans. They might not have made the play-in tournament, you know, and that could have been a big problem because we wouldn't be kind of riding this high that we're on right now. You know, in the in the postseason, you could argue that he needed to play a guy like Trey Murphy more, maybe fewer minutes. So I thought the minutes overall were fine for Jackson Hayes, but maybe it was too many Devontae Graham minutes at times, even though he played okay. Maybe you needed to give more minutes to Jose Alvarado, to Najee Marshall in the postseason when they were playing well. And sometimes he's a little slow to kind of figure that out and those adjustments come a game or two later than you want. At that point, the Pelicans would lose a game or two or lose a game in the postseason in a series. And, well, you're kind of done when that happens. And so I think that's something that he needs to learn, whether that's looking at the analytics a little bit more. And he looks at the analytics and he looks at the analytics in games, by the way. Notice during games, you'll see the coaches kind of passing around sheets. Those are stat sheets. And they're not just kind of box scores, right? But they're lineup things and combinations in some of the advanced metrics and analytics that I talk about on the show here. They see those in real time on the sides. So they know when things are working or not. And that kind of leads to the next thing, right? They, He needs to get a little bit better at in-game adjustments, kind of on-the-fly adjustments. I talked about this during the postseason run in you know some of the game recaps and previews and things. There have been times when he's a little slow to adjust or just realize I got to pull a guy because he doesn't have it tonight, especially when those situations are magnified in the playoffs. In the regular season, maybe you can get away with it a little bit less, more, I don't, which, whichever one. And in the postseason, you can't. And that's where they got hurt, right? Like Willie Green at times doesn't have the best feel for those in-game adjustments. He's really good when he gets a break and can think. Coming out of halftime, they were good. But I go back to that Clippers game where he played Tony Snell. And oh my God, Tony Snell hadn't played in like nine games. And in a, a do or die, an elimination game, you throw him in there. I, I get it was for shooting, I believe, to help space the court. But there's got to be a better option than that. And someone that gives you a little bit more than Tony Snell does. Because they almost lost that game in those minutes. And they had to all of a sudden go from being up 10, I think it was, to being down 10. A 20-point swing. Basically during the Tony Snell minutes. <laughs> And it was only three. You can't make those decisions in elimination games. You need to be like, that was a mistake. Get out. We got to go with someone else and have like a quick trigger on that sort of thing. 
I think that just kind of comes with experience, right? Willie Green is a rookie head coach. Sometimes the timeout usage wasn't great. Sometimes the rotations weren't great, right? Sometimes the challenges were like, wait a second. But he's a rookie too. And so he's growing and learning. So it's not a huge knock on him this season. Again, we all agree he's that good head coach. But it's valid to say. And I think those are the type of things that when he spends some time reflecting in the offseason, he's going to really look at. Maybe they just need an experienced guy as an assistant. Maybe you need a former head coach who's kind of been there, gets those moments, and doesn't you know get in over his head to a certain degree and can go to Willie Green and be like, hey, man, we got to change it up a little bit here and kind of make that call, I think that could be good. Justin Napoli of Propel's talk mentioned that to me, and I kind of agree with it to an extent. But we'll see how Willie Green grows as a coach this offseason too because he's got the like best foundation possible. And like the sky is the limit for him. He can easily be one of the top coaches in the league. Damn good rookie year from him, and I'm excited to see if he makes some of these improvements, what he's going to look like next season too. So that's going to do it for this episode of Locked on Pelicans. Thank you for listening every single day and making Locked on Pelicans your first listen every day. Now for your second listen, go check out Locked on NBA. We're covering the playoffs. I'm on there today, on there every Wednesday, breaking down the stories and the uh, the games and the big stories. It's going to be fun. We're clowning on the Lakers today too. So make sure you get in on Locked on NBA today. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, and I'll be back with y'all tomorrow.